What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. So today I have a good friend of mine um, on the podcast, and I'm I'm actually really excited um, to have you on, Vernon. So um, the one of the reasons I'm excited uh, is you're I don't know if you know this, but you're one of the reasons that I wanted to create a podcast. Oh, um, for the awesome. reason of any time we talked, mm-hmm. um, you're one of those guys that every time we chatted, mm. I would be like, man, I wish I recorded that conversation and put it in my back pocket to listen to later. Because awesome. whenever we chat, man, there's so many nuggets that I believe that like mm. your life experience that just fits in with mine. And I'm like, man, I wish I always had that. So one, I'm really great, like grateful that you're here and we're able to do this and record it so that we can look back later and listen in. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. Thanks a ton for the invite. Vernon, go ahead and give everyone kind of just a quick shot of um, who you are and um, what you're doing right now. Yeah, so um, married in my 20th year to my best friend, Amber. We've got three boys, 18-year-old Titus, 14-year-old Justice, and three-year-old Silas. So our, our life is full. Um, from a professional standpoint, um, Amber and I co-founded an organization called His Voice Global. Um, had been working in South Sudan for 22 years, and now we're in Uganda and Kenya as well, and I'm the CEO of that organization. Dude, how was it kind of creating that coming up? Um, I mean, you with Amber in that, um, what was it like, you know, building that up from the ground up? Um, a, a lot of fun and a lot of difficulty, uh, especially being involved with such a focus with orphans and widows and the vulnerable there's there's some of the business side of things that are always interesting building out and stuff but you you also realize real quickly just the difficulty that people have been through in life and that can be quite sobering and difficult mm. on some realms it can also be incredibly inspiring to see how they work through a lot of things as well too so it's just been a long journey. So I would say it's been a mixture of some really great highs and some stunning lows, and you just keep going. Maybe give a little uh, context on what um, His Voice Global is. Yeah, great. So our our vision is relationships restored, communities renewed. Um, and so when we're talking about relationships for us, because um, I'm a Christian. It's the matter of relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. So all four relationships, and we're, we want to see all four of those restored and renewed, and we think that that's what shalom or peace looks like uh, in the Bible. And so with relationships restored, we believe communities will be renewed. And so our mission actually is to raise up leaders among the vulnerable. So we do that in, for us, on a program sense— we have our Arise uh, Discipleship and Retreat Center where we do a lot of amazing trainings, and there's also time for people to be able to come and um, just be able to have a time of refreshment and stuff. And then around Arise um, is our Shine program. That's our integrative care program where we're serving over a 1,000 people around the area. Most of them have handicaps of some form, and... Um, we have uh, social workers, uh, Ugandan social workers that do all the assessments and they're amazing. And it's actually a, a 13 page assessment that everybody goes through. And it goes all the way from physical to emotional to social to spiritual. We're going to answer things of like food and water and clothing and emotional health and spiritual health, all of those things, and really try to walk with people 
in a way where the point isn't um, complete independence and the point isn't dependence. I think in the scriptures, it's the idea of interdependence, that, that, hmm. that we all need each other. And so, but we don't want to create a time or, so to speak, a program where it's people five years from now, 10 years from now are still dependent upon things like food, basic things like that. We want to help with that, you know. So that's our Shine program. Our Thrive program is from our South Sudanese orphans that they got old enough, um, because at the very beginning we have started helped to start a huge orphan care network in South Sudan and then um, started a primary school and secondary school. And then our kids got old enough to either go to Votech or university. And so we helped to start an education program for that. And so the kids will either go to South Sudan, stay in South Sudan and do that, or they'll come down to Uganda. If they come to Uganda, then they stay with what we call our family mentors and those family mentors really walk through that with them through all of life. So it's not only getting involved with their education, but um, how do you walk with them in an, in an integrative way to like um, filling out things uh, like job resumes, all of these very, very practical living type of things. Um, and then uh, our Alive program is our discipleship curriculum that we've, uh, uh, or our first curriculum is called Foundation of Hope that's in that. And it really goes over the whole big story of the Bible, of Scripture, but then how do we train and equip men and women to live that out on the daily? Mm. So that's a probably a quick summation of it. Yeah, that's actually, <clears throat> excuse me, it seems like quite a lot, like a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you being stateside, how, how does it, how, how does your day-to-day look like managing or or coming alongside people that are training and, and in these roles, you know, overseas? Yeah, so we have an unbelievable uh, team on the ground, in um, especially in northern Uganda. And a huge belief in them. We're always also looking to, to hire and bring more people on, at more family mentors and things like that. But um, it does. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of trust. Um but there's also the aspect of whenever you, basically when you hire studs and things like that, you can get a lot of things done, and they do. Um, so for me, um, it's a lot of, my day-to-day is a lot of vision casting aspects, uh, working, uh, co-leading with our COO, Justin Kitchens. Um, I'm going to be much more on the visionary and the people side of things and the aspect of pouring into people. I even meet with every one of our employees every week, a one-on-one and stuff, and just how is life, how are things going. He's going to take care of more of the systems and processes mm. and stuff. So we do. We have a really good good team in the U.S. and then also in Africa. On how you kind of you, you kind of mentioned scaling and or you know filling those roles. Um, with people studs to yeah, take over these yeah. roles, how has like scaling or um, adding people in these roles? Like, what have you learned in that? Because I mean, for myself, being a young entrepreneur, I'm in that kind of ground level. I'm trying to scale. I'm trying to learn who to bring in, when to bring them in, how to bring them in, like all the nitty yeah. gritty. Um, in your experience, how has it been? You know, hiring and or that process. Yeah, I mean, one I, I would say one of the best things that we did at the very beginning when we were early 20s was I always wanted to surround myself with the people that had the same vision in me, same drive as me, and thought totally differently than me. 
And so I was always, especially whenever I was a lot younger, I surrounded myself with engineers, with lawyers, with accountants, with people like that. So that, um, I'm a, I'm very, very narrowly gifted and I know that. And do I don't mean, mean, mean that, mean that? Uh, <laughs> like, so my wife, Amber, mm-hmm. right. Or you take, uh, people like on the ground, like our, um, one of our area coordinators, uh, Mike Elkins, and then his wife, Meg. I mean, you talk about vastly gifted people. It is. It's like they, it, it seems like it never stops, hmm. right? And that can be great, and that is for some people. For me, that's not me. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm good at um, being able to cast vision. I'm good at being able to teach. I'm good at being able to write things, and I'm good at being able to walk with people in the middle of crisis. That's about it. Outside of that, I don't have hardly anything going on. And again, I just, I know myself Mm. well enough that way. And that's fine with me. So I'm also able to see a lot of glaring areas. But instead of always focusing on my own personal weakness, um, I'm also very much a people person. Mm. Um, And so I'm going to try to find a person that like just can crush it at Mm. that and then do it. So for instance, we just brought on a COO little bit over a year ago and stuff. And he is just, I mean, he says things and thinks about things that I'm like, man, I just never would have even thought it like, let alone build out a system for Mm -hmm. it. Right. And stuff. So I love those things. I I love those things. So it's always trying to put myself around high capacity, optimistic problem solvers and then really going, okay, let's get it done. Mm. Let's get it done. You know, and I just see it happen over and over again of people being placed around us um, that are given a lot of freedom to use their gifting and things like that, Mm -hmm. Um, but be part of an organization that has a strong vision and mission and one that has strong programming and that cares for them and things like that. It sounds like you really call out people's gifting and you're like, hey, this is something you're great at. Like, go here's here's an opportunity to run in what you're great at. 100%. So really go after that. And um, one of the things you mentioned is that you said you were gifted in coming along people in times of, of crisis. Yeah. I feel like we should talk on that. Okay. Because right. in today's society, my generation growing up, um, the idea of um, um, like the, there's like a really big push for, hey, you need therapy. You know, there's trauma uh-huh. in your life yep. you didn't know about. And it's almost as the times have, like, we've gotten more um, sophisticated as a society. There's, like, more things to work through mm-hmm. in our own mental game. And, and mental health is a big push right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, for, I kind of want to ask almost two questions, and, and maybe you can kind of you can take it and, and walk into it. But, um, you know, for someone that might be listening that is kind of going through a hard time or a crisis in their own mm-hmm. life. Like they see it and they're like, this, my life is pa- falling apart here. Yeah. You know, what would be some tangible things that you say, Hey, I, I would come alongside them and I would encourage them this way, or I would do this, or I would be present here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything that you'd kind of tangibly, you know, walk through with that? Yeah. And walking with a lot of people is I ask a lot of questions and I listen. Hmm. I don't, I never show up to ever show up to a person going, this is exactly what I'm going to say or exactly what I'm going to do. It's always the matter of really wanting that person to be seen and know that they're seen. Because I think that that's even part of uh, what happens in trauma and what happens in a lot of violating circumstances is going, hey, there's a problem here. I, I need this to be seen. 
And so if you immediately go into fix it mode, mm-hmm. that person will process that as you're just trying to fix me. Mm. Um, is sometimes rightfully so, sometimes along the path, it, not as much. You know, sometimes it can eventually become um, a crutch type of statement. But I mean, that's way, way further down the road. Um, but I do, I show it to people all the time. I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to listen and I want to hear where, what's going on. Um, basically what I'm always coming to somebody with is the idea of what's troubling you. Mm. That's the question I ask over and over. What's troubling you? And I just let them talk and I'll let them talk and get things out. Um, because I also think that if it, if it turns into a thing of, me being in front of somebody and then me solving a problem for them, um, you don't end up empowering them yep. as much either. Um, and so sometimes it can be a slow road. Sometimes it's not, you know. Um, but I do, I think that whenever I show up to them, it's that aspect. I think there's some of these things too that um, folks that I walk with, um, uh, even in my own life, I'm always trying to alchemize or try to get momentum in micro victories. So what I mean by that statement is I'll tell people all the time. Like I, so I have a fairly, um, fairly in-depth way of how I wake up in my morning routine, things like that. Um, and whatever, if people have that specific of a one or not, any of that, I, I don't care about that. But it's mainly this whole idea of going, okay, so I, I get up at a certain time, um, and now it's a, I, it, it seems like it's about seven out of ten times that I wake up, my first thought's a negative thought. Hmm. And so for years, I used to just go, oh, it's a negative thought. And so what I've, what I've stepped back from and done is going, to, n- number one, I just got up out of bed at the hour that I get up out of bed. And so if a negative thought's there, I've also put a trigger in my mind of going, okay, as I'm walking to the bathroom, I'm going to stop and I actually look at myself in the mirror in my own eyes and say, by grace, you have what it takes. Mm. The grace is already there. So every time a negative thought comes in in that kind of way, I've set that up, set that trigger up, right? So people especially that are going through difficulties. It's how are you setting up micro wins? Because like I tell my sons this all the time, every thought, every action has momentum towards restoration or ruin. And you want to know that. Hmm. And the more and more that you take these thoughts captive, the more and more you realize that um, you are not your thoughts, but you're responsible for what you do with them. Number one. That's really Um, good. But then I also learn how to interact with my thoughts. Because I think that so many times people think, I have this thought, this is who I am. That's good. And I'm constantly trying to create that space. How are you interacting with the thought? Hmm. And so those are some of the practical things that I try to walk with people on too, because there's some of those things that, and it's why I ask people, what's troubling you so often? Because if you listen long enough, if you listen long enough, what you're going to hear is that some good was violated. Hmm. And so it's not even mainly this matter of going, how do I fix this problem? How do I fix this problem? I want to hear, well, what good was violated? Then how do we anchor into that good? Mm. How do we value that good? How do we see that? And sometimes it happens quickly, and other times it, ha- it takes a while to be able to see that. Mm. So. How, 
why? <laughs> first off, that was amazing. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Two, why? Why do you feel like you have been, you know, gifted in this area? Like, it almost seems like there's been times that you have been almost trained up, or you've been um, accustomed to these things, and you've seen it enough times that you've started to notice the triggers and started to notice the patterns. Mm. Um, why? Do, why do you think you you see all all that? Well, I'm always. I'm teaching my boys three virtues all the time. Mm -hmm. Courage, compassion, curiosity. Those are the three. And so it's probably that third one of curiosity where it's not leading in in a sense of going, hey, I've already got all the answers. Hey, I've got it figured out. Um, compassion is probably part of that too of just because I think that the the picture of that is entering into pain and offering healing from the inside out is how I understand compassion. Mm -hmm. um, and so just making myself available and then being curious, learning, like wanting to go, oh, okay, this person is is unique. Their circumstances are unique. They should be valued. Hmm. Like whenever I show up to people, and I teach my boys this too, whenever you show up to somebody, show up to them going, oh, how do I show up? It is the same thing that I did even on the way here. Mm -hmm. so how do I show up, draw forth the sacredness that's in you, and then refract it back to you. Not mm. reflect, but refract. And what I mean by that is going, you're not a problem to be solved. You're not a, any of it. It's going, no, no, you have an immense amount of sacredness. Mm. How am I going to draw that out? How am I going to refract it back? Because in refraction, right, it's a singular beam of light, then a multiplicity of color. So there's creativity there. Mm. I think that's a big deal because then it's going like, oh, no, no, no. How do you, how do you leave a conversation how do you leave showing up to somebody in a creative, <clears throat> generative way? How do you draw forth that sacredness, again, that was in them by grace? Mm -hmm. And so if you're not showing up to people, mainly, again, is like, oh, man, your life's a wreck, mm. first and foremost. Because some people will tell you that all the time. Man, I'm, I'm, my life's a wreck and stuff. And I, I listen to them. I don't even try to necessarily correct it and stuff. I just don't believe it. Mm. I, there's a whole lot of bad decisions that maybe happen or yeah. a lot of bad things that happen to them um, that they didn't want mm -hmm. and stuff. And so it feels like the tornado and to a degree the tornado is true. I'm just saying that's not the ontological or the foundational I identity of who they are. Yeah. And so what I want them to be able to see is going like, no, no, we've, we have a loving Jesus that really, really loves you deeply and yes we should believe in god but there's also this other aspect of he believes in us mm. now not in the sense that we are god absolutely yeah but in the same way that i look at my boys and i square them up and i hold them by the shoulders and i'm like i love you and i believe in you mm -hmm. that's the aspect and i don't think that god ever doesn't do that with us mm. I think to your point of, of talking about, you know, seeing someone as value, mm -hmm. as sacred. I think sacred is almost an intense word that some people listening yeah. might be like, well, what does this guy mean? <laughs> Who is this guy? What is yeah. he? We're talking all these terms. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. And I think like seeing someone of, hey, I see value in them, not as yeah. uh, you're a problem and you're a pain in my That's butt right. that I got to go fix. Yeah. Um, but like being, being willing to like, no, this is a human, a person on the other side. Yeah. Like this is... Um, a person of value. And I love the word sacred because yeah. that puts a whole nother level of yeah. value. Totally. Um, and so I, I think that's amazing because on the other side of the coin for the person that's coming to someone that is 
in trouble or, mm-hmm. or hurting or, or seeking help. The person seeking help might be groaning and or claiming identity as, yeah. hey, I am not sacred. Yeah. I am not valuable yeah. because of my failures. I am this now. I am this depression. I am this anxiety. I am this X, Y, Z. And that identity is, um, I know this to be a trap and a spot of like a stronghold where it will like paralyze you because you're, you're whatever you claim it or claim yourself to be, you'll, you'll adopt. Yeah. And so I love you saying, Hey, I, I come in and I say, no, 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 you are sacred. You have value. You are not your problems. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that, that I think is such a good takeaway and I hope that that brings someone Mm. some value. Yeah. Um, Man, that's super good. And you actually mentioned um, the the three C's that you were talking about with your boys. Yeah. And I do want, I want to segue into that. Got it. Um, so Vernon and I have had talked off mic before, and he's brought up this idea of something he's made called Arena 345. Uh, and one, I just think this is the coolest thing. So, y'all, I hope you, you listen and take notes. Like, this is pretty sweet. Uh, but, Vernon, would you kind of explain why you came up with Arena 345, what it is, kind of breaking it down? Yeah, totally. So Arena 345 is like a life code I've made for my sons. And it it came more or codified it more in the last several years. And a lot of these things were, especially with a son that was getting ready to graduate and leave the home and stuff. And what are the things, not only that I want them to be taught, but things that they also already manifested, right? And stuff. So it's, Arena, I'll even read the quote. Arena's from uh, the famous Roosevelt quote. Um, Three is three virtues I'm always trying to teach them. Four is the four relationships. And then I have five optics is the way I word it. So it's like five one-sentence aspects that we're always pointing out. So arena, uh, arena is the based on this quote that it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them, d- done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Man, can you can you break down why that quote hits home for you? Yeah, and in, in fact, so whenever I laid out this, life code for my boys. I, I got this uh, printed out and I have it hung up in their rooms and stuff like that. And I um, stole some ideas from a couple other guys and bought them this really sweet journal and really cool pen. And we actually went to Bryce Canyon National Park in Utah and I put them down in the, in the canyon. I had the hoodoos in the background and I started laying out this life code for them. Um, and especially this quote, because it's the... One of the things, in fact, we were just talking in our house about recently is people that are so addicted to rage as a society. So it's Mm -hmm. this idea of going rage plus um, easy offense equals cancel culture. Hmm. So rage plus easy offense. 
equals cancel culture. And you have a lot of people that are just choosing that. They're thinking that authenticity mainly has to do with a problem. And I'm all about pointing out problems. It's fine. It's okay. But I also like tell our staff uh, at HVG, I tell our, our family all the time, spend 80% of your time building something beautiful, good, and true. 80%. Only spend 20% of your time even directly focusing on the problem. It's good. And it's because if you build something beautiful, good, and true 80% of the time, by definition, it's going to be a subversive rebuke to the bad anyways. Yes. But it's also the piece of going, if you're not building something beautiful, good, and true, if you've, if you've created people that are just going to rage in such a way, whenever they turn around to go, where's the other way? All they do is just choose another problem. Hmm. Yep. They don't know anything beautiful, good, and true. And so that this quote for me is being able to say, hey, dudes, here's the deal, man. Get in the arena of life. Try. What does it look like? Don't sit, don't sit on the sidelines just critiquing things, stuff like that. Get after it. And if you fall, dad's here. Mom's here. And let's get up and let's learn. But hey, what happens if you wildly succeed beyond whatever you thought? And so it's those type of things of going, no, I don't, I don't want them to sit there and just constantly give themselves over to the next problem and the next problem and the next problem, thinking that that somehow is going to lead to re- relevance that's generative. So that's, I, I find that in that, in that quote, you know, and stuff. And that whole, uh, obviously people like Brene Brown writing a book, Daring Greatly, that's where she took it from was this quote and respect her as well too. So, man, I think that's really good. And I love the point you made of um, creating something that's good, beautiful, and true. Yeah. And, and um, in that, and how I, how I hear that uh, in my own definition or in my mm-hmm. terms would be you're, you're putting truth in front of like a lie. So if you're focused on the things that are issues or the lies and you're, you're only focusing on things that are um, wrong, mm-hmm. like that just almost produces negativity in you. And you just constantly see this issue, issue after issue after issue. But if you're only going after truth or, or what's good, like it literally does, mm-hmm. It, it pushes out anything that's bad. Yeah. And so I, I, I totally right. agree. I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Segwaying, in, segwaying, segwaying into um, my virtues. Yes. Yeah. So courage, compassion, and curiosity. You know, so I define courage out for my boys as the quality shown by someone who decides to do something difficult or dangerous, even though they may be afraid. Hmm. And because the. A lot of people think that it, the, or they're waiting to do a courageous action whenever they don't have any fear anymore. And it's because they m- misunderstand what's being said even in the scriptures. Hmm. It's going, no, no, no. You're going to have fear a lot of times. The question is, to what degree are you going to live into it? Yeah. That's the question. And so even a lot of times with courage, it takes facing a fear. And so I want them to be able to know, to know that, yeah, in fact, if you're going to have a courageous fact, sometimes sitting sitting right beside of that is going to be fear. But here's the deal. Just don't shame yourself. Don't even spend a whole lot of time entertaining it, right, in stuff. So, um, And then Hemingway says grace under pressure. That's what he calls courage. Hmm. You know, and I, I, I like that idea too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want them to be – um, man, but I also think it's the same thing with women. I don't think it's just like a life code for, for dudes or anything like that. 
um, to, to express courage um, and to be able to express compassion as well, too. Um, I'm, I'm not a oorah type of dad and stuff. I don't do a bunch of the chest beating stuff and all those other things. I think it's a distraction. It's pretty annoying, honestly. Um, I want my, my men to be guys that it's, they have a spine of steel, you know, but they have a tender touch Mm. is what I want. And what does that look like? How does that being comfortable with that, but also being able to notice people that are in pain. Mm. You know, and I, I feel like my boys do, mm. you know, they're able to, to see that they're able to know when somebody's hurting, they have that type of empathy. Mm. And I think that that's really what it takes is going in. In fact, most of the time that is the courageous thing is to show compassion. Um, and then curiosity, you know, it's that I, idea of like living a lifestyle um, of learning constantly show up curious more than condemning. It's what I tell them all the time. Be curious first. Instead of making declarations all the time, ask questions. It's really good. Figure it out from that sense. But also be a lifelong learner, you know? So it's from my personal background uh, on the formal education side, I've gone through and gotten a PhD and done those things and that's fine. But it's also looking at them and going, you don't need that Mm. necessarily. Necessarily. For me, it was my pursuit and curiosity that I did that with. Yep. But I also know a bunch of like really, really dumb PhDs. Yeah. And a lot of it's because they get a certain, you know, letters behind their name and they quit learning. Mm. They quit being curious. In fact, they end up being punks like sometimes because it's, they, they think that they've come to some certain knowledge and that obviously that's not all PhDs, but yeah, for sure. some of them with this mentality of like, now I'm going to teach down to other people. I've yep. got this certain special knowledge and things like that. And that is just annoying. You know, and so I'm always telling them, be curious, be curious, like find out what's that look like, Mm. you know, learn from anybody and everybody. And now, especially Titus and Justice being 18 and 14, they're around a little curious three-year-old brother, Mm -hmm. Silas, you know, and it's like, how are you going to be curious with that? So those are my three virtues, you know, the four relationships. So it's... The arena piece, the three virtues, four relationships are of the gospel of God's self, others, the rest of creation. And I'm always telling them, how are you going to apply those three virtues in those four relationships? What's it look like, dudes? You know, and even last week I was taking my middle son, Justice, out, and I just have these connection times over meals and stuff. And I'm like, hey, buddy, um, what, what what have you been taking from the arena three, four, five stuff lately? And he was just playing his day. He was like... Well, every morning I just wake up and go, how can I show courage, compassion, and curiosity today? That's it. Mm. And I was like, all right, sounds good. As so, your 14-year-old? Yeah, that's right. Justice, that's right. I'm man. like, you Shout do it, buddy. Justice. That's awesome. <laughs> you do it. So, um, and then the five optics that I'm always talking to them. The first one is uh, when hell breaks out, we run in. When hell breaks out, we we run in. But it's, I, And I think that that's actually what Jesus did. Hell broke out all over the earth, and, and he ran in. He ran, but how did he run in? He ran in with merciful love. Mm. He didn't take time again to do the, especially when I'm talking with my dudes, he didn't take time to do that machismo, chest beating stuff. It's ridiculous. He was like, no, where where, where can I live this love here? Mm. Where, where can I enter into a hell of somebody else's or even my own hell? And then live that love. But when hell breaks out, we run in. We don't run away. We don't need to. How does that look practical? Like, 
you see it in someone else. Um, and I guess, do, do you like notice it? You're like, oh, I see. And I, maybe you define hell in a way. So like an issue or a problem or how, how do you, sure. how would you define? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably bigger than this podcast, but <laughs> um, uh, an extreme difficulty in that sense, anything, basically uh, anything or any time something, something or someone moves against the grain of love, that's where hell is. Hmm. So I don't think it's just like some yeah. after after life deal. It's it's anytime you're not not living in the grain of love. Hell's broken out. Hell's mm. broken out. So how do you how do you sit there and enter in? What's it what's it look like? And um how do we become people that um aren't scared of hellish aspects, but we enter into it. We don't even take time to just like Jesus did over and over. I mean he he saw where hells were going on in people's lives, whether whether it's the um, what people would call the the more lavish sinner type of aspects, or with the legalists too, because there's hell all over the place there, you know, mm. and stuff. And and what did he do? He, he basically said, "Hey, if you're humble enough to come and taste grace, come. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And by the way, I'm going to show you love first. I'm going to come into your hell. Either you're going to recognize it or not, right?" That's good. Um, so yeah, that's my first one, first optic. Second optic is you are significant, but you are not ultimate. Um, I want my boys. I think there's uh, another, you know, the uh, kind of language that some, especially from a Christian perspective, that some people use. But even outside of Christianity, um, but especially in Christianity, where it's like God is everything, I'm nothing. You know, and I've told my boys, okay, let's work this out philosophically. Right, so the first proposition is, I'm made in the image of God. Second proposition is, I'm a walking piece of trash. The only conclusion is that God's a walking piece of trash. Mm. It's not a minor miss. Yeah, and it's going no, no, no. We're we're made in the image of God. Yeah. So it's any other person you look at. Mm. They're significant, and you have to understand your words and your actions are significant. It's just that they're not ultimate. Mm. And so you want to know that you have that type of power um, in the sense of both towards restoration or ruin. But you, it's also don't get into the megalomania, the narcissism that a lot of people do mm. of making their life where they're God. So can you go into depth a little bit more on just mm-hmm. like maybe almost coming at a different angle and explaining yeah. it again? Because I think there's a lot of value in it, um, but I just don't I want to make sure it's not misinterpreted or misunderstood, Yeah, um, especially in, in how you're explaining it. There's... Um, so yeah, I'll just I'll leave it to you again to kind of hit it from a different angle and kind of bring it back home. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that I want them to know their words and actions matter. I want them. Uh, I want everybody to know that though. And, and I don't want people to write themselves off because it's it's sitting there going, um, the this the foundation of pride comes through self exaltation is one way, but it's also self deprecation. Same root. It's prideful. So so what's the answer to pride? The answer to pride is being able to have the proper assessment of who you are, which is what? A love child of God. Hmm. It's good. And so he's not, God isn't loving nothing. Yeah. Or if he is, you shouldn't worship that God hmm. by definition, yeah. hopefully, because yeah. he's yeah. lost his mind. So no, I good. think that it's those aspects too. 
No, that makes sense. I appreciate Yeah, that clarity helps. Um, what's the, the third one? Yeah, so my third one is every obstacle is an opportunity. Every obstacle is an opportunity. Yep. It's being able to see that obstacles are going to come our way over and over. Um, and sometimes we should even put them in our own way, you know, to be able to build those things up, build up endurance and stuff like that. Um, but most, uh, what I've noticed a lot is that a, a lot of times an obstacle come up in front of people and it's like, oh, that must mean I shouldn't go that way. Hmm. And why is it that way with most people? I think it's that way because they make this decision that ease must be the way of blessing. And I sit there and I go, well, it can be. Okay. So I also don't think that you should, but, um, if something's easy, it, it also doesn't mean that all of a sudden you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But I want them to view life as every obstacle is an opportunity. Now, what are we going to do here? How are we going to alchemize this and stuff? And so I think that the more and more they see um, every obstacle is an opportunity, the more um, optimistic they're going to be, the more problem solvers they're going to be, but also they're going to be able to exercise that piece, those three virtues, courage, compassion, and curiosity. I love that one. Even, you know, with background in military and, and we were actually talking about off mic, just like the idea of building up your mental toughness, you know, doing things such as, you know, lifting heavy weights or going for runs and Mm -hmm. that little voice in your head that's like, Hey, I'm tired. Yeah. Let's snooze today. Yeah. Let's not get up and work out today or let's not try as hard and work because I'm, I'm doing as much as I'm getting paid. You know, I don't need to go the extra mile. Totally. Um, that little voice, it's like almost like beating that thing up and being like, no, I'm taking over. I'm in charge of me. That's right. Uh, and I think that's a really, really good, um, um, optic. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. What's the uh, fifth one? We're on the number fifth? four. Oh, number, number four. four. Yeah, uh, it's be present. The process is the pinnacle. So I'm always telling them be present. The process is the pinnacle. There's a lot of, uh, I, I tell them constantly, and I believe this is that there's two things that are always under your control. Always, attitude and effort. That's good. And so I define attitude as the disposition of how you choose to interact with your thoughts and emotions. That's your attitude. It's the disposition of how you choose to interact with your thoughts and emotions. Um, and then effort. It's that idea of going, nobody can control that. No, nobody can control that. And so it's the, the reason I'm saying be present, be in the moment, that the process is the pinnacle is because you also have a lot of people that it's like, I'm just trying to achieve another goal, another goal. And um, it's why even off mic, I told you my, like one of my, that my whole physical goal is enduring strength. Why? Because I want something that's bigger than just achieving a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And going on a, the process is the pinnacle. It is. It's, it's right there. It's the, the entire thing. Achieving the goal isn't, um, I'm not just doing something to achieve a goal. Although I, I do have goals yes. in life. But you also see neurologically, and there's been enough neurological studies that what happens after somebody achieves a big goal, there's that huge letdown. Because mm-hmm. right. they thought it was going to be something big. Like, oh, this is I'm going to arrive. That's right. And then I can cruise. That's right. I'm going to arrive. It's it's going to be there. Or it's I've, I've built all my life to this, and then all of a sudden it's a, it's a drop-off. I'm not even saying don't build to that. I'm just saying expand your view enough that it goes, oh my gosh, if you win the Super Bowl, cool. 
the process is the pinnacle. Hmm. It's part of, so, so what's bigger than that? Yeah, it's good. I'm not saying throw it away. You know, even with my boys, I'm like, if you have a certain achievement or and things like that, I'm not saying don't care about that. I'm not saying don't throw it away. But be so present that even as you're trying to reach the goal, you're able to speak optimistic joy into yourself. It's really good. Even in it. Yeah. Right? So it's like, even on the run, where it's like everything, your body's screaming against mm. you. Yeah. Maybe the only thing I should say is going, my body's screaming against me. And guess what? I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah. Keep going. I, I see that in my in business. Like for me, you know, growing Black Banner or trying, mm-hmm. like I had these goals and these things. Yeah. I'm like, man, I want to achieve this. Uh, and it is very yeah. easy to forget that that it, it's the journey. And totally. It's like being present in the journey, of, and it's not the the end destination. Yeah. And I know that, but mm-hmm. then there's times where you you just kind of get in in the rhythm of things, and True. you're just like, hey, nope, I'm working towards this. I'm working towards yeah. this, and you just put your head down and you go. Yeah. So that's a really good reminder yeah. just for myself. Yeah, and I think, too, it's going like, um, I'm a pretty type A guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying to not be driven. Yeah. You know, and I'm going like, no, I'm saying don't don't check down to thinking drivenness is only that goal that's out there. I'm saying expand the whole deal. Hmm. And the more and more I expand that, the more it's going like, oh, yeah, if if I'm doing a minute thing, or what might be considered a minute thing for HVG or at the house or things like that. Well, here's the reality. Two things I'm always under control, attitude and effort. Mm. It's up to me how minor I make it. Yeah. If I, if I want it to be, you know, totally messing with me, well, I can, I can live into that. It doesn't mean that I don't have those plaguing thoughts. Again, I, I said I wake up with negative thoughts pretty often. Um, it's just a matter of not living into them. Right, so it's like I'm not even trying to, like, push them away or anything like that. I'm not. I'm just saying, yeah, you're there, and then you just deflect. Mm-hmm. You go on, same way. Mm-hmm. I think that that's how you end up being present, you know, and and you can be present in an optimistic way, um, but in an authentic way, right? Because it's also the people that are sitting there going like, you know, no, none of this is a problem. You're like, mm, you're wrong. <laughs> you're you're wrong. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. say. It, it, it's just that I'm not controlled by the problems. That's good. I can recognize them, identify them, place them where they are. You know, the, one of my heroes is um, World War II um, survivor of one of the prison camps, Victor Frankel. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. I read it every single um, every single year. In fact, my, my 14-year-old Justice just this last week, he said, Dad, I want to read it. You know, I was like, of course you do. Oh, yeah. Um, which is awesome. But he talks about this idea where um, he says um, there's a place between stimulus and response is what he says. So think of stimulus, whether it's good or bad or whatever it is. There's a place between stimulus and response. How I cultivate this space will lead to either my freedom or imprisonment. Hmm. And so I think it's that whole idea of going like, no, 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 you, we have so many different stimuli, both good and bad. Hey, it's up to me on how I'm going to respond over here. I've got a space. Right so here. you're saying like you, whatever comes your way is the stimulus. Yeah. Like, so it's almost the, um, 
whatever situation happens, like mm-hmm. what, whatever comes your way, yep. good or bad, uh, a situation, a problem, an issue, a good thing. That's right. You get to determine what you do with it. That's right. And so it's what you do with the time of determining what you do. That's right. Okay. That That's makes right. sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's being able to sit there and go, no, no, no. It's, it's how I cultivate that space. And so how do you do that? It's through your attitude and effort. What's it look like? It's the disposition of how I choose to interact with my thoughts and emotions. For me personally, I have a lot of contemplative practices. So I've got a, I do a lot of things with like breath work and breath prayer and contemplative prayer and meditation and things like that. And even scientifically, those things, even if people don't come from a Christian background, those things have been shown scientifically to be able to even help change neural pathways, how we interact with stuff, how we can set up, so to speak, different buffers. Um, between things that happen to us and how we choose to react mm-hmm. and stuff. And so it's uh, those are even practical ways of how I try to land the plane. And even in that, I think someone has to be, um, they have to be aware enough to take the thought or the, the issue yep. captive before right. allowing an instant reaction, like a yep. knee-jerk reaction. Um, I don't know if there are knee-jerk reactions. It's just become mm-hmm. habit. Yeah, so you have a habit, a trigger, yeah. uh, and so you just do. Yeah. Um, and so being aware of your habits or yep. a trigger that comes. That's right. Good, bad, evil, whatever. Um, that I think is a yeah. skill in itself to say, hey, what yeah. am I allowing into my life to ter- determine right. how I react? Yeah. And I think that, that it, you're, you're exactly right. And that's why I tell my boys, all again, you are not your thoughts, but you're responsible for what you do with them. Hmm. In fact, even from a Christian perspective, temptation makes no sense at all if your first thought is automatically sinful. Makes zero sense. So what I tell my boys all the time is there is not one first thought that's a sin. It's how you choose to interact with it. Hmm. So I hear people all the time, I wish I didn't think this anymore. I wish this, it didn't, da-da-da, things like that, you know, and stuff. And I'm like, well, Jesus was tempted all the way until he breathed his final breath. So it's like, you're you're going to. But I'm just saying don't condemn yourself for being tempted. Yeah. And I'm saying he always gives a way out yeah. is what he says. So we have to be able to see that in a way of going, Oh my gosh, this thought is a temptation thought. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. More than going, Oh, I've got this anger thought. Oh, I've got this. Mm-hmm. I, th- think any of the seven deadly sins, Yeah, right? They come up in my, Oh, I am that thought. That's what the enemy wants. Yeah. Danger. It's immediate. Danger. It's immediate. And, or, And one of my conclusions I've talked to my boys about, too, is just that I think a lot of times temptation comes and the goal of evil isn't even for you to commit that temptation. I think the goal is that you shame yourself for even having the thought. And here's why I say that. is because the second greatest commandment in Christianity is love your neighbor as yourself. And it's not only a commandment, it's a declarative. You actually will love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. And so the reality is this. If you fill yourself with shame, if you fill yourself with self-hatred, you'll love somebody that way. Wow. And so I think that that's what he wants. Why? Because if he can get you to hate yourself, you'll, you will with your neighbor. Yeah. He literally doesn't care if you actually carry out that temptation. I don't think he does. Yeah, I don't disagree. That's and powerful. So, I mean, honestly, so. like saying it out loud and seeing those things, or almost playing it out in in that scenario. Yeah, it's 
it's freeing in the yeah. sense of like, right. hey, this this thought, maybe this this idea of you know your first thought is out of like condemning you, and you are yeah. now condemnation. Yeah, and it's like no way, yeah, no way. Um, and then just the idea of like, man, how do you view yourself? Totally. What what yeah. what label do you give yourself? That's right. What's your identity? That's exactly right. So wow. Yeah. Vernon, holy it's smokes. Good. And then number five is um, life is well understood through the lens of eternity. Hmm. I want my boys to think eternally. I do. I want them to know that what they say, what they do, literally echoes into eternity, I believe. Um, and so living in that light, you know. So those are my three, four, f- arena three, four, five kind of lenses. And I really the aim behind that too was giving them almost like this one-page declaration that they could go back to over and over. Mm. I didn't want it to be this, okay, let's um, let's have, you know, research papers on it or pages and stuff. I want them to be able to, boom, here it is, here it is, because life happens that quick so often. But I want them to have these lenses to be able to hold on to grips to be able to have. So, yeah. Ooh, uh, okay. Now, I also know there's something else that you, you did with your boys, and you kind of, mm-hmm. there's a saying you always leave them with. Um, yeah. I think uh, you gave Titus a gift. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and explain what the gift was and, and the, the vision behind it. Yeah. So I had one of my friends that is a pastor. He um, also forges knives. And so for graduation, um, he made him this, this handmade knife that was unbelievable and um I handed it to him and I read him this letter of everything that I believe in him. Um, and it's something that as he was standing there and he's an introvert, um, uh, and incredibly, uh, self, self-assured, not arrogant at all, but he's just an introverted dude. And so I knew that at his graduation party, it was going to be a bit uncomfortable for him to stand up in front of everybody that was there. But I also knew, hey, buddy, you're a man. You're a man, and I want to treat you like that, and I want you to live into that. And so I handed him that knife, and then I read him the letter that I wrote him. Um, And I'm, like, losing it as I'm reading it to him. And I'm noticing in him his back is standing up more and more straight. And he's he's standing there and he's looking at me in the eyes. And that was what that's one of the things I love about my boys is if you ever talk to them, they're not gonna have a ton of wandering eyes everywhere. Mm. They're gonna look at you. They're gonna square you up, look at you, be interested. Um, and so he um he did that and the the um he took the knife and just one of the my end phrase that I always tell my boys is keep to the axe. And that's what I want them to do. I want them to keep to the access idea of going, how are we going to use an axe in a generative way? What are you going to build? What are you going to build? But also you got to realize that axe needs to be sharpened. Mm. You got to be sharpened by other people. You got to seek out your own sharpening and stuff. And so it's my idea of keep to the axe is always that, that deal of that's the arena three, four, five lifestyle. And so I'm always trying to put that in there, even in the end of texts and stuff like that. And, um, or one of the things I do is, as a dad is I'll go through one of these different parts on arena three, four, five, and I'll write almost like a, another one page deal and I'll video it. You know, I mean, it's like probably terrible video, you know, I mean, I just set it up in my office and it's like my iPhone that's right there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I read them the letter. 
whatever it is, whatever optic we're going through, whatever virtue, whatever relationship it is and stuff. And, but I also want them, I started to just write these letters and send them to them. And then I was like, no, they need to hear their dad talk to. It's amazing. And so I have my own Dropbox forum and stuff like that where they could go back to it over and over. But at the end of it, I always just say simply keep to the ax. Do it. A lot of the texts that I'll send them, that's what I'll say to them. It's amazing. Vernon, this this has been so good, man. I'm I'm grateful for you just being able to share, you know, what what you've created in this time Mm -hmm. or what you've learned um, through your years. And I know you have so much more in your story of just your life, Mm -hmm. so much more experiences. Um, But I do, I think I'm going to wrap it up kind of right here. Um, Man, I hope that that everyone took away something. Awesome. Because this, I mean, I'm I would go back and listen to this three times. I'm mm. going to go back <laughs> and listen to this three times at least. because uh, each one of these, um, as you broke them down, you defined it. Mm. And I think I'm I'll, I'll hear a definition and I'll hear it and I'll be like, oh, that's really good. And then I'll forget it. Yeah. <laughs> and move on to the next thing. Totally. And it's like, no, I wanna I wanna really ingrain in what that means. Um, because we say a lot of things without realizing the definition of what we're saying. Yeah. Um, such as just big words like I mean, we throw around grace or sacred and you're like, what does that mean? Um, And so it's like going back and like, okay, I know compassion. What is compassion? What is curiosity? Mm. Um, And so, man, I'm super grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a ton for having me. Um, And so, yeah, uh, if uh, y'all, I want to give you the floor just to uh, let people be able to find you on either like a social media or a website or um, His Voice Global. Like where could they find you if they ever wanted to reach out? Um, yeah. shout you out uh, yeah I appreciate it um hisvoiceglobal.com is our website i don't i'm not on any social media so i'm an old my old, old head on it <laughs> um Love i don't it. do don't do any social media but his voice has got all those all my contact information is on there as well too so cool all right his voice global y'all check him out vernon thank you bro appreciate thank it you. all right everyone see y'all